0: You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording and lines are now closed.
1: Asalaamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuhu. This is Asan Amdi on Voice of Islam on the Weekend World Show. Weekend
0: World on Voice of Islam.
1: Welcome to the Weekend World Show with Asanamdi Amdi, listening to Voice of Islam on Dab Radio, mobile and online, 24 hours a day, broadcasting live from the Beth Fatul Mosque. The Weekend World Show is a current affairs show with the week's news, views and reviews from a faith and non-faith perspective, promoting the message of peace and unity, discussing religion, politics, sports and topics of faith and enlightenment. The message of Islam for the West. Join us and share your views and stories by phoning 0208-687-7878 or tweet us at VoiceOfIslamUK. The views on the weekend world show are those of individuals and guests. Joining me this morning is Saf Ahmadi. Saf has undertaken various charitable projects, including the tsunami humanitarian aid humanitarian aid to Bandai in Indonesia in the past. Seth, uh, good morning, assalamu alaikum. Assalamu
2: alaikum, good
1: morning. Welcome good morning. to this rainy day. It uh, really is, isn't it? <laughs> very, yeah, very heavy rain, yeah, I'm afraid. Yeah. A, uh, one of those,
3: I almost felt like turning over in, in bed, just <laughs> just see if I could make the day well, da- day go one, one
1: of those lovely days, exactly. yes. Yeah, right, where you want to be wrapped up in a nice yeah. warm blanket. <laughs> Unfortunately, we could wrap up uh, quite comfortably. Yes, but uh, as Banky Moon says, that migration is an expression of human aspiration of dignity, safety, and better future. It is part of the social fabric, part of our very, uh, very makeup as a human family. And many immigrants don't get that opportunity mm. to wrap up in yes. the warmth. And uh, Banky Moon is right that it is part of human nature to, part of human dignity, mm. to help others to preserve their dignity.
3: Absolutely, I uh, know. I completely agree. I mean, um, we currently live in a situation where we're seeing more and more people having to move, whether it be for economic reasons, there are now even climate reasons, um, for safety, uh, just basic safety of self. Um, uh, people having to sort of move from one uh, from one place to another. Mm. Um, I was actually listening to a historian that said, you know, this has always been a part of uh, human history mm. where we move around. We yes, migrate. It you is. Know, this Absolutely. is it's, it's, it's a normal pr- process.
1: We've seen it in the lives of the prophets. The Absolutely. holy prophet himself had to migrate. Correct. As uh, many prophets had to do that. Absolutely. We know about Hz. also having to do the same.
3: So it's um, one of those things that um, not only have we got used to, we, we're going to have to get a, a lot more used to it going forward. Mm. Um, uh, I think as there are societal shifts and economic shifts and, you know, again, I, you know, mentioned climate, uh, there are going to be climate shifts. Uh, we see it already in sort of the central parts of Africa who are suffering big levels of drought mm. at the moment. Mm. Um Indeed. The way we're going to have to see. We also see that in Southeast Asia, you know, yeah. with the floods. Um, I mean, in
1: the past, we've had situations where we've had these situations mm. of, you know, the, the droughts you talk about yes. in Africa and other countries. And we've seen how Western nations in particular, the wealthy yes. nations, I would say, yep. coming to their aid. But mm. do you see a shift in people's attitudes? I, I mean, I a... see it in the migration. People are, are traveling and suffering. Yes, some of them might not be. Genuine, but most of them are. People are fleeing. They don't flee for nothing.
3: Uh, Absolutely. You know, I I have to agree with you wholeheartedly that there's a rhetoric shift more recently. There's a rhetoric. I don't think people help less. Mm. I actually think that the ability and the will of people to help still exists. Mm. Mm. You see that in... uh, You see that in figures of, you know, people actually giving out charity out of their own pockets. Those are actually going up. Yeah. So, you know, even in a cost of living crisis, you actually see those Mm -hmm. levels at least petering out or staying the same. But there is 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 definitely a rhetoric shift. And
1: And is that to do with the rise of the far right? We'll be talking to Halim Lone later. Uh, We'll discuss some of those issues. He's uh, worked for for UNICEF in the past uh, and he's based in Brazil. So he'll tell us a little bit about that as well.
3: I, I think... And I'm very interested in speaking to him uh, uh, because he's talking from a nation which really you see that disparity um, even more so than anywhere mm. else, right? Indeed. You see that sort of uh, yeah. the haves and the have-nots. It's a lot more th- and I think that's where we sort of live at the moment. It's sure. I think that the problem that we have is there's been an economic issue. The rise of the far right has bec- mm. has has sort of stemmed from that economic issue. Yeah. Um, and they're they're slowly getting a lot more oxygen. We're not really talking about it this morning, but you also see, you know, for, for example, uh, social media sites like Twitter uh, suddenly going in the hands of Elon Musk. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're, yeah. you're seeing you'll see a shift again. You know, like this, I mean, you, there has been a rise. There's almost been a pushback, but you're, you're seeing another wave come mm, in again. Mm, um, mm. Uh, I mean,
1: at the end of the day, it. Uh, Looking at people's suffering mm. is not good, and, and we're always seeking happiness, and that's some, one of the things we'll be discussing on the show. Khalid Safi will be with us. We'll be talking about the existence of God, finding internal mm. peace, maybe, mm. through faith. Uh, Dr. Farid will join us for that. And as I said, Halim Lone, who will be t- speaking to us from Rio live from Brazil, uh, talking about uh, international development, because that's what he yes. specializes in, and the situation in Brazil. And about... How the world looks at Britain today, Absolutely. as well. We want to see that as well. And some interesting cricket being going on <laughs> this, <laughs> this really morning. Been. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. People rising from the death, uh, <laughs> or, or a nation rising from its death uh, at the hands uh, uh, of South Africa, it appears. But we'll we'll be talking to Shahid uh, in that regard. Right. Uh, let's uh, move on with our show, uh, Seth, and uh, we'll begin with uh, a quick news review. <laughs>
0: Weekend World. Look at this week's news, views and reviews.
1: Right, uh, Seth. A record number of people have crossed the English Channel in small boats this year, reports the BBC. The government hopes its controversial plan to send migrants to Rwanda will deter people from using this route to come to the UK. What else, do, uh, what else is uh, mentioned about this, uh, generally speaking?
3: Yeah, so um, we've got conditions at a contr- uh, controversy-hit centre for asylum seekers have significant, uh, significantly deteriorated in the last three months, a watchdog has warned, warned, urging the Home Office to get a grip on the escalating problems. Charlie Taylor, the chief inspector of prison, said an inspection of the Manston short-term holding centre in July revealed that early signs of risks were materialising, including asylum seekers being held for far too far longer than was appropriate for the site.
1: Manston mm. is at the heart of the overcrowding scandal with Home Secretary Su- Suella Breverman under pressure of reports. Uh, she ignored legal advice that the government was detaining asylum seekers at the site for unlawfully long periods. The Sunday Times reported that Breverman had been told to transfer the asylum seekers from Manston to hotels to ease the pressure, but she refused.
3: So a record number of people have crossed the English Channel in small boats this year. The government hopes its controversial plan to send some migrants to Rwanda will deter people from using this route to come into the UK. Um, Also on the weekend, Robert Jenrick condemns the unacceptable violence at Harmonsworth Centre, West London Immigration Removal Centre, during a power uh, cut, uh, the immigration minister has said,
1: "Yeah, so safe UK is a real problem with immigration. It's clear, mm. uh, and their tough talk taxes are having no effect about sending people to Rwanda, uh, and and you know, and I think this must be part of their policy, <laughs> or it appears to to make them suffer while they're here." I mean, this is not sign of a civilized society. A civilized society is one who cares for the the vulnerable, particularly. Mm. Um, so, how many migrants uh, do cross the channel? What's the What's the update on that?
3: So, I mean, th- th- this is a particularly uh, it's a it's a particularly uh, it, it's a year where we're seeing a lot more come uh, across. So, we we've got almost forty thousand people year on year, year, year on year on inc- year. It's, it's increasing. increasing yeah. yeah. So, what we're seeing is almost forty thousand people have crossed the channel so far mm. i mean and, i mean yes we we're, we're now coming into a sort of more difficult month so we probably will see them peter out but 40,000 is already a very large number yeah um it's the highest number since the figures began to be collected in eight, uh, 2018 um and i think in 2021 we sort of of 28,526 while in 2020 it was actually as low as 8,400 mm. Um, so, w- yes, we, we've seen a steady, not a steady, it's been a sort of almost exponential increase uh, in the people that are using this route um, across the channel. Right. I think you're sort of seeing more and more, um, I think, again... The discussion about that has always been about the danger of these people sort of crossing, but yeah, it's safety and welfare is important, but it's been very much and i mean you can it's been very much mixed in with this kind of very negative rhetoric about them. you know there's been sort of talk now of specific parts bringing crime and et cetera across mm. i think the, the discussion over it has been very muddled yes um but almost to but the uh, point uh, that it's uh, that it's allowed to feed into a fear. Yeah. Um, I mean, there
1: are there are certain newspapers and press, absolutely, and, and and the far right thinking, which is pushing that agenda. When when really in reality, it's only a very marginal, very minute margin of uh, people who do that, yeah. who, who are committing crimes. But and you're going to have that in a society. Absolutely. You know, yeah. a small com- 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 a small group of people, a very small minority will commit those crimes. What about uh, uh, the, the migrants themselves. Where are they coming from? Are they, uh, as it's always understood, yes, from uh, <coughs> the African countries, the Asian countries, uh, the brown skin countries? <laughs> yeah, I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. if it, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. because that is in reality what the far right agenda is. I mean, actually, is that what the reality? At,
3: is? If you look at the cover of the Spectator, there's a there's a I I I deem as a very awful sort of uh, front page of it, sort mm. of showing a wave of brown faces sort of, you know, cascading onto the white cliffs of Dover. So Mm. there's definitely a view that it is mainly brown skin. But actually, when you look at the first six months of 22, uh, more than half of them were from three countries. So, you know, almost 20 percent coming from Albania, uh, 20 percent coming from Afghanistan, 15 from Iran, 15 percent from Iran. The number of Albanians, and this is a sort of key part. It's 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 one that we're probably reading a lot more about. Is that the number of Albanians making the cro- crossing has risen sharply since 2021? Um, whilst last year it was mainly Iranians that they were the biggest group and mm. they accounted for nearly 30. Um, uh, you know, tr- again also Iraqi, Eritrean, Syrians. You know, you, you had those in the mix, but um, it, it's this year. I think there has been a particular focus, or especially at this p- particular moment in time there has been a focus on the albanians yeah, ups- um, uh,
1: upsetting the albanian prime minister absolutely absolutely
3: <laughs> and i think rightly so i mm. think you know he um, uh, th- he was he was very very critical with with the w- language with the, uh, with the united kingdom yeah? absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah with, with, with especially with the language of yeah. um uh, in, uh, of the government um and whilst you uh, I, and i think the other part of it is is another thing that kind of feeds into the rhetoric is that um the number of men aged between eight, 18 to 39 i mean Yes, nearly three quarters of the small boat arrivals are going to be young men aged between 18 to uh, 39. about 5% of those arrivals are men aged 40 or over, mm. and 7% But, but that's aged going 18. to happen, isn't it? Because well, absolutely, uh, who, who's yeah. going to
1: send their daughters and their uh, wives yeah. across risky
3: waters with gangsters? And then the discussion would be completely different, so, yeah. right? At that point, it's yeah. like, why, if, are you sending... why are you sending? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're damned if you do, and damned if you don't. Yeah, yeah.
1: But if you look at the countries that you've mentioned, yes, okay, Albania is a European country. Yeah. Afghanistan... Well, why are they coming exactly. over here? Yeah. It's yeah, because yeah, yeah. we interfered with their, yep. with their country. Uh, Iran, that's to do with Iranian uh, current uh, government. Yes. Uh, quite oppressive, I think. Absolutely. Um, certainly not Islamic, mm-hmm. in our view, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. or certainly not in my view. And then you look at uh, Syrians. Yes. Iraqis. And then we had a lot from Libya as well. Yes. These are all countries where we have interfered. Absolutely. With the with the decorum of peace that was there. Whether we like those leaders or not, I think the only reason we didn't like them because they weren't selling us cheap oil or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but it's countries where we have interfered. So... It's, you know, when you point a finger at someone, yeah. three are pointing back at you. Yeah. And I think Britain ought to be thinking like that. British people should be thinking like that. Well,
3: actually, I mean, and actually, if you look at the countries that really take on the hit of um, uh, migrants, um, you know, uh, and again, I say this as, a, uh, sorry, that's probably the wrong phraseology. Um, it's not a hit. You know, like the people that are most welcoming mm. to, uh, see, actually, the, the top nation is actually Turkey, um, because of its close, you know, because because of, because of, the because of its of, neighbouring borders, very situated, Absolutely. exactly. You've yeah. got also people like Uganda are up there, mm. you know, because also they take on a lot of refugees from neighbouring countries. In Germany Europe, took, Europe, yeah. Germany, yeah, Germany is one of the things. Now, you you have to sort of say, I mean, and actually, German, th- the Germans were very. Firstly, they were very hesitant about anything to do with Iraq mm. and Afghanistan. They never really involved themselves much, uh, mm. apart from. Their uh, m- apart from the fact that they're in NATO and that they had to do something, yeah. um, it was very minimal and really not, you know, really not something that they wanted to get involved with. Yet they have been sort of one of the most, uh, one of the most vocal and uh, helpful on this side. Again, I don't. There there are other reasons for them. They they actually have economic these reasons why the they want. These aren't reasons. You're right, but but these do play a prominent. Absolutely, arc, and I yeah. think the British. I think the British. Uh, They've got a very odd, they they have a very odd sense. I mean, and I would actually go back as if you were to look at a couple of decades ago, I think we had a much more different relationship yeah. with it. We were much more, uh, whilst even, you know, we, we, we talk about Tony Blair, you know, like actually going into Iraq. One thing was he did accept a certain amount of responsibility in terms of taking on migration from there mm-hmm. and being actually sort of having a kind of open border policy and allowing people to come in. Yeah. What we've ended up with is a very um, there there and it's, the problem is I think within this Tory party is there's some real elements of right wing people which Rishi right Sunec- wing,
1: stroke Islamophobic, uh, all these sort of things because that sells. They carry a lot of baggage. Absolutely, yeah.
3: and, and, and it sells. You know, and it's a this big faction of the party that mm. uh, they have to think. And I, I, unfortunately, I have to say, the current home office, uh, the home secretary, mm. um, she has been the flag bearer for that side. I think we, we, we're all fully aware. And I think it's no real secret that there was some, you know, backroom agreement oh, de- made. De- deals were being made. Yeah, yeah, for her to get that did, rule.
1: So that Rishi didn't have to stand another election Correct. for the fear of the the British Tory public not voting. Waiting for him again. Voting for a yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Yeah>. bounce <laughs> yeah, yeah, some would yeah. say. Okay, yeah. we'll talk about Bremen yeah. later. Uh of the applicants, mm. one of the criticisms Keir Starmer made at the Prime Minister very effectively yes. was the failure of the government to process the asylum seekers. And the Menston Centre, which was only they're supposed to house people for about 1,500 yeah. people for, for 24 hours or Correct. something. Correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And yet yeah. They, some have been there for months. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So uh, what is happening
3: with the applicants of asylum seekers? So, I mean, of the applicants... Of asylum seekers who are granted actually eighty one percent were granted refugee status following the asylum application. Um, and there's also six percent are actually granted humanitarian protection, mm. two uh, were granted alternative forms of leave such as discretionary leave, and eleven percent were granted refugee status through resettlement scheme. so the the the, the, rem, the fact remains that when they say that all of these people are sort of flooding our shores and they you know yeah. the young men and they're just economic migrants, actually, there's a large proportion of them that actually do actually get through the uh, process and are, are granted asylum. Yeah. Now, is that because there's overrun? I don't think so. I think they've been incredibly, I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredibly slow process and it takes time and effort. There has been real underfunding in the immigration service. And I think that also has been done almost on purpose to almost make it a deterrent to come into the country yeah. Yeah. Um, by making uh, it extremely bureaucratic, yeah. long and difficult um we also saw for example the the Rwanda scheme itself mm. um has come under sort of extreme scrutiny and actually has been deemed illegal um but
1: by twice the courts have rejected the sending uh, absolutely Rwanda. and of all the people they were going to say there was only one or two people on the well, flight well yeah anyway. at one point so, there was yeah, yeah there was
3: one person left yeah. you know on one flight and yeah. actually yeah by the time that it was due to take off that was actually also quashed by um the the uh, i think it was the u uh, not the un the ECHRC. And, and,
1: and that was under pretty patel that's right yep. the yep. home secretary at the yep. time and now we've got we, now we've got a new uh, set, uh, home secretary twice mm. <laughs> in that yes position, yes yes yeah, in the yeah space yeah, yeah. of yeah. six weeks yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who seems to be even harsher in that regard so what what sort of criticism uh, is she receiving uh, about the rhetoric that she's using she has
3: been in particular, she has been a lot more forceful. I think we're, <laughs> I mean, somebody was saying the other day, it's sort of she she makes Pretty Patel look actually quite almost uh, uh, fairy like, fairy mm. godmother like <laughs> in her, in her approach. She, um, I think she's been under pressure anyway since getting the job, and I, 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 unfortunately, I think what that done is she's she's actually doubled down. I think she was on the dispatch box not long ago, and um, she she used a she used a very strong word. She used the the word invasion. Correct. She used the word invasion. Received
1: a lot of criticism. She
3: received a lot of criticism um, because of the that language has real. Uh, it goes back to some very very right wing um, uh, stances. I mean, we go. <laughs> I I don't like sort of making mention, but it almost goes back to sort of Nazi but, Germany. But this is
1: this is uh, publicly being commented on.
3: Absolutely. And you know, and this was done on the dispatch box. This mm. was um, so. Um, she used language like that. She has been very forceful. And she, I mean, again, ignoring sort of uh, the uh, ignoring, I- ignoring the view of the courts as to how people should be looked after in, you know, well-meaning and uh, in a careful manner. She completely ignored that. Mm. Um, so that and going against,
1: I would say, uh, and this is the greatness of the British uh, mm. setup or system. That the press has been very critical of mm. her. The opposition have been playing hay and you know, they—they've benefited Absolutely. immensely yeah. with votes going their way. Yeah. Um, so she is being criticised left, right, and centre apart from the far right, particularly within the Tory. But party. I think I
3: think, and this is this is a concern, right? That I I do have. I think that she still resonates with a certain part of society, and I think that it's very aware. She wouldn't have got up, and said those words, uh, unknowing. Uh, of what uh, uh unknowing of what could potentially um uh, the fallout could be i think i think she's very aware and um she has probably linked herself to a certain part of society mm. which uh, which has made it which has made it acceptable for her to say the things that she she has done um we nonetheless i mean we we are in a situation where uh, it, it it has been said um we now have to and as you said you know we we had uh you had the albanian prime minister also coming back very very strongly and sort of and he made a mention and i think he, he sort of had a has a point in this mm. is that you know the the political failings of either the government or the home secretary um she is looking for a scapegoat and yeah. i unfortunately have come to the conclusion that i can't but agree <laughs> sorry I can only agree with yeah. that sentiment because it does feel like that there's there's been a lot made out of these, uh, this migrant crisis over a short period peri- peri- of time Indeed.
1: and you, you mentioned about the Rwanda plan tell us uh, I mean you, you've discussed that a little bit yes but uh You've got the Rwanda plan, and then what is the alternative? What happens to people when they do arrive in the u k
3: so well, I mean basically the Rwanda plan is that the government wants to send some of the asylum seekers to Rwanda f- for their claims to be processed um The argument is that it deters people to arrive into the u k with what it calls what it calls illegal, dangerous, or unnecessary methods um and again, we talk about in specifically it's that channel crossing. Um, however, the number of channel crossings have con- uh, continued to rise even since the policy has been announced. So mm-hmm. it's not really acting as a deterrence. The plan has still been widely condemned by charities, campaign groups. And, uh, you know, they and th- they've launched a series of legal challenges, which they keep winning. Um, so the policy remains on hold until a decision it, uh, is reached in the courts. In itself has cost over one hundred and fifty million, I think, just as a plan itself. Um, not working, um, not sort of going <laughs> anywhere. Um, it it is a it, it it's a it's a it's a real mess. And I think the problem has be, been is that there's been so much done to try and deter migration. Mm. Um, and it's not just and it's not just the Rwanda plan. I you know for example they have actually removed a number of safe routes to come into the country, which actually leads people. To come onto the boats. Well, this is the criticism. And this but is the major.
1: When you close the routes, what's going to happen? Illegality is going to take place. let To see what happens. So they've created the crime. Yes. By not dealing with the with the immigration the way they should, as a, as a nation of a developed country.
3: Absolutely, and they've done it on purpose. You know, like and this is this is the problem. I mean, they have removed things. I mean, even the French, for example, were were, were quite willing to sort of look at alternatives and work together, um, but they were quashed. Um, And again, I think it's I think it's become this whole idea of migration, immigration has become such a political um, and it's not really a hot potato. People actually want it. Mm. (laughs) People want it. People want to talk about it. People want to be able to say that they're in charge of it and they're acting incredibly tough on it. Um, When the reality is per capita, I think we are actually one of the lowest. uh, We we take on the lowest amount of uh, migrants and refugees um uh, then uh, then comparable countries and actually developed countries, we are we are very far down the scale. Okay. So we really do need to I mean I think this is this is an aspect where I, I unfortunately I I I think it's become a bit of a smokescreen for many other failings. And we know, unfortunately, yes, we are at a current point in time where this government um, has had to go through a lot of shifts. It's mm-hmm. being criticised for for a lot, um, and I think people have given up on it. Yeah. Um, you can see that in polling, um, and it's almost trying to keep the embers of the government alive somehow. Okay. And unfortunately, I do feel that the, the, the immigration story has become the uh, has become the aspect which which keeps it yeah. which keeps the embers going.
1: Anyway, a lot more could be discussed, but a lot more is going to happen on this. But thank you for sharing your views on this. Uh, uh, But we must move on to our next segment of our show, uh, which is, uh, we were saying uh, uh, that uh, happiness is something that we're all trying to achieve. Um, So we're going to come to uh, our next segment, which is the community news.
0: Weekend World. Community News.
4: لِلَّذِينَ اسْتَجَابُوا لِرَبِّهِمُ الْحُسْنَى وَالَّذِينَ لَمْ يَسْتَجِيبُوا
2: لَهُ لَوْ أَنَّ لَهُمْ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا
5: وَمِثْلَهُ مَعَهُ لَفْتَدَوْا بِهِ أُولَئِكَ لَهُمْ سُوءُ الْحِسَابِ وَمَأْوَاهُمْ
2: جَهَنَّمْ وَبِئْسَ الْمِهَادِ
1: right um several, uh, people are always in pursuit of happiness uh, of uh, looking for things better we talked about the uh, people seeking asylum through migration looking for better they improve their lot um and uh, the strongest argument against uh, totalitarianism uh, may be recognition of uh, maybe recognition of a universal human nature that all humans have an innate desire for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The doctrine of a blank slate is a totalitarian dream. That's what uh, Steve Pinker, a Canadian-American cognitive psychologist and author, writes. He also says, "'Happiness is the emotional state of feeling or showing pleasure or contentment. This means happiness isn't a long-lasting, permanent feature or trait, but a more changeable state.'" Due to happiness being a broadly defined term in psychology, it is termed as a subjective well-being which focuses on an individual's overall personal feelings about their life in the present as such perceptions of happiness may differ from person to person. This is on the NVP New View Psychology website. So what is happiness, Seth? Uh, And is it uh, it an unachievable goal or a goal that is ever-changing? This is what Rabbi... Abraham D. Twersky talks
6: about uh, uh, about utopia. Now, do you know what would happen if you took somebody from the 1930s, living under those circumstances, and you said, you know what life is going to be like in 2011? There won't be one tuberculosis sanitarium in the entire country. The disease will have been eradicated for all practical purposes the lifespan instead of being 50 the average life expectancy will be in the 80s and communications well you'll be able to pick up a little hand and instrument and talk to anybody in the world and if you have a good screen on it you can watch a football game three thousand miles away And as far as climate is concerned if it's too cold you push a button the house warms up if it's too hot you push a button the house cools down prep food preparation well it's either uh, ready for the pot or even if you might have to cook it you've got a microwave and there's going to be fax machines and emails and, you know, they'll describe the entire picture and the workplace. You know, today's workplace in the 1930s would have looked like a spa. And you would have described what life is going to be like in 2011. And you know what people would have said then? They said, well, look, it seems like you're talking about a fantasy. I mean, that's never going to happen. But if that ever does happen and life becomes so much comfortable and th- so many diseases will be wiped out. I remember when I, when I was a kid, if I got a backache in the summer, oh, he's got polio. Right? There's no polio scare now. And so if you told people in the 1930s about what life is now like in 2011, they would have said, if that ever happens... Mankind will have reached paradise.
1: Yes, so we've reached paradise, apparently. (laughs) Now, talking to us whether we have achieved paradise or not is uh, Khalid Safir, based in London, who has a happiness YouTube channel. Asking people what happiness means to them, uh, he engages with the youth particularly. He's often seen in Hyde Park Corner with his camera and asking people if they are happy with their faith, particularly to see if uh, they can find happiness through that. Uh, good morning and Assalamualaikum, uh, Khalid. Good morning, Wa Alaikum Salam. Peace be upon you too. Yes, Assalamualaikum rahmatullah. Good to have you back on the show. Uh, I remember coming to your show and talking about happiness. What, what is happiness? Or is it, something, is it something that's tangible or is it evolving into something different all the time?
7: Um, so, yeah, one of the things I talk about, yes, what is happiness? It, uh, a lot of people are a bit confused about that, especially in the West where it seems to be a thing that's really hard to get. Um, a, a nice way to explain it is the idea of inner peace contentment um and one thing i think when we're discussing happiness is i think it's really important to understand happiness is and this is what psychologists have been saying for a very long time so when i talk about happiness and i do my happiness classes in speaker's corner i don't just say come to islam i say listen this is what psychologists have been saying a very very long time i'm just inspired by Islam because it says the same stuff and so very quickly happiness is not just the small space between like getting high or pain because actually most of that happiness is in a different dimension completely um so victor Franco talks about it it's, he talks about meaning and meaning is just a spiritual idea really meaning when he talks about it means doing good things for other people because that adds meaning to your life and that's where a long-lasting contentment lies mm. And if that
1: explains anything yeah, it does, uh, but it does ask uh, open up more questions as well, doesn't it? yeah, in the sense that uh, does happiness mean different things to an individual what What is the individual seeking, or what is common amongst people that uh, that brings happiness to them, so is it individual and different things, or is it something that is common which everyone is seeking
7: right um I think because human nature is common then what, we, what makes us happy is also going to be common. So I see, like you kind of roughly mentioned in the introduction in a way, happiness is a sort of a measure of health, mm. not just mental health, but also physical health. If your physical health is not good, then you're not going to be happy. If your mental health is not good, you're not going to be happy. So I just see it as a sort of barometer measure uh, of how well you're living life mm.
2: generally. Mm.
7: You know, like, is a Have you chosen a job that has meaning? Are you doing? Have you got good relationships? Those are the kind of things that give you happiness. And so, yeah, if you're working in line with your nature, you're going to be happy. And human nature, we all, we've all got one. Le- mostly, you know, a, a pair of lungs, a heart, two legs, et cetera, all this kind of stuff. And yeah. if we don't work in accordance with, it's a delicate design. In our sort of atheist world, we kind of think it's all random and we don't appreciate the delicate design. If we don't work in line with that, we're not going to be happy. I just say, for example, if you walk backwards, that's not in line with your design. You're going to feel more pain than walk, walking forwards. In a similar way, if you don't, Stay in line with your nature. You're not going to be happy. So my short answer is yes. Happiness is pretty much the same thing for most people. That's why there's a study called psychology.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, walking backwards, you were saying, unless you're in a walking backward race. Uh, yes, you're right. <laughs> so it's going to be painful. <laughs> it's going to them. be painful. Yeah. I mean, yesterday, Saf was very miserable, very depressed, <laughs> and he's walking. And he's walked in this morning with a big glee on his face. You know, he's as happy yeah. as uh, Larry. Uh, yeah. because Pakistan have won their cricket <laughs> <laughs> have gone through to the semi-final in the cricket so right. so so happiness can be quite uh, short term can't it and, uh, okay. it depends and, um,
7: depends what your north star is as it were that's a phrase like to explain the idea of an immovable goal that doesn't change so if you've got a, a lower level goal and you depend on that happiness like you know Pakistan winning some sort of tournament then that's going to change every now and then and that's why the west really struggles with happiness because its its goals are too low and this is not again this is what victor frankl probably the greatest psychologist on the topic of happiness says you've got to have a high level meaning to your life in fact he even says that god is the super meaning it's in a non-spiritual term it's like that like god that's the highest possible goal that is the kind of thing that will consistently give you happiness and that's what you find in uh, religious countries are far happier than atheist countries this is statistically known even atheist psychologists tell us
3: that Khaled, uh, actually i mean that's a really really interesting point that you raised and one that we were just uh i think when we were listening to the clip of uh rabbi twersky at the very beginning you know sort of mentioning all of the all of the advancements that we've made yet um it does seem that with the sort of rise of, you know, like sort of male suicide rates, um, we seem to be, we almost seem to be an unhappier society regardless of all of the env- advancements that we've made. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Um, uh, yeah.
7: So statistically, we are, uh, the richer the country, the more unhappy they tend to be. Um, when I'm, ta- I'm mainly talking about Western countries, really. Uh, so in America, they are the most drugged up, most intoxicated um, uh, most depressed society ever,
2: mm.
7: even given despite all the the luxuries people have, and I'm I'm a teacher, and I've the probably the most miserable um, school I've ever taught in was probably the richest.
3: So, right, right. That's I. Yeah. That's a, that's a fact. And then, but that sort of links then into the: Have we replaced happiness somehow? And uh, is our is our metric for happiness has it changed to such a degree that um, For example, like you said, the rich, the more affluent um, have become, I guess, I don't know, for want of a better phrase, less, uh, more illiterate towards happiness, (laughs) if you see what I mean? Right.
7: Yeah, yeah, that's right, because there's a sort of a paradox, what it is, is that when you have more money, you actually have more choices, and we're not very good at making good choices, so I'll give you an example, when we have more money, then we can spend more money on Netflix or whatever online streaming videos you have, instead of talking to people, Mm. right? And then what's the biggest killer in London? Loneliness, right? So we self-inflict loneliness on each other by choosing, through our wealth, making bad choices, we could make better choices, we could go to a restaurant with a person instead.
3: But then you see like the rise of things like social media and as you said, like technology almost is designed, we spend lots and lots of money investing into things to, I guess, create more loneliness, right? Social media in itself sort of, you don't have to have the interactions, uh, you know, like the streaming sites, you don't have to, I guess, be part of a community watching something, you watch things at your own pace in your own time. Um, hmm. you, you, you I guess you get caught out of those conversations I think we seem to as you said you're probably right I think as a, as a society are we spending more and more of our time and investment in being more lonely
7: yeah um, I, I like to kind of, I like to emphasize that we shouldn't see ourselves as victims of things so we, we get to choose to use more social media or not. Yes, they design it to make it a bit addictive, but quite frankly, you still have if you, the, the real problem is that if you don't have strong values of what's important, like family values, then you're easily swayed by the advertising, by the social media, by everything uh, in the wrong direction. So Mm. advertising is not going to tell you having a piece, then you're not going to buy their stuff. They're going to tell you you're going to be happy when you buy their stuff. But the only way you can protect yourself from that is have really, you know, have an anchor in strong values so you can't be swayed.
1: Mm. I think what you're trying to say there is that material wealth on its own can never achieve long-term happiness, though it can bring about short-term happiness. And I think that's what... Rabbi Abraham was trying to say that uh, you know, we have these certain goals in life that we want to achieve. You know, uh, easier life, uh, uh, more healthy, uh, av- more health availability, and all that. But, but once you achieve that, something else comes in its way, and then you're forever chasing this, and that's what material wealth brings. And then you yeah. were talking about an inner inner peace. Now, there's a yeah. verse of the Holy Quran: "Allah Zakirillahi and Kalub." It is in the remembrance of Allah that the heart finds contentment yeah. uh, or finds comfort. Now, you go out and about promoting uh, or inviting people to Islam and to Ahmadiyyat, Um right. And part of that, I would have thought, was not just to bring them to a religion, but to bring them to a message of peace that brings them inner peace. Would that yeah. be right? And how does that work when you do go out? into Hyde Park and places like that and talking to people. What what sort of things get, get, do you confront?
7: Um, I am becoming increasingly popular because I'm one of the few people who talk about spirituality in a practical way. So a lot of the other people who talk about religion are like, my God's better than your God sort of thing, like you're going to hell, the other person's going to hell but nothing particularly useful about how to practice your religion so you're a happier person. And in fact, Islam teaches in the Qur'an um, uh, that you won't really find happiness in the next life unless you find happiness in this life. So the verse of the Qur'an basically says if you fear God's judgment, you will have two gardens, which uh, the fourth Gleeper explained, uh, the fourth Gleeper is a spiritual leader we have, um, that that basically means... This idea that you won't have happiness in the next life unless you have happiness in this life. So, being happy is very important in this life because it's a test to see if you're in the right direction, if you're going to make it to paradise in the next life. And so, what I get confronted with is a lot of positivity from all, all, all elements of society, from the atheist to when I see if they can try out Islam before they get into it and even the Muslims are tired of the other kind of um, aggressive anti other religions I'm just forward you know positive in terms of how to live life that's it so it's very positive the, the
3: feedback uh, Khalid, I mean, um, so when you actually speak to these people, when you engage with them, I mean, yeah. is it is it a general feeling? Do you feel like they're trying to achieve inner peace or do you, uh, do you sometimes it, th- there's a bit of confusion as to what that means? And uh, what are they actually I mean, obviously, everyone's trying to achieve inner peace, but our sort of mode of, of reaching that, um, do you think that's slightly confused?
7: yeah there's a massive amount of confusion, so that's why they love listening to what I've got to say because I clear that confusion so one of this is this is one of the ways I do it so if I'm talking about what you do you really need, I just say for example what are what are the main needs we have? There are two categories I would say there are the visible and the invisible the visible we need food, entertainment, but there's the invisible which also psychologists say we desperately need and Our practical experience tell us the same. We need love, and the harder, more complicated ones are like meaning or oneness. And so I try to clarify by categorizing in simple ways what is it that we need, uh, and then I take them through. And I've got a course, you know, 33 lessons, starting from the fundamentals of relationships and, uh, you know, how to even live with yourself all the way to, you know, world politics and things like that. Um, How do we fix the world? So, I, I basically, I break things down in a simple way over a very long continuous course and I've got a, a website where they can always go back to previous lessons for free, etc.
3: And and again, you know, not wanting to delve into sort of the social media aspect of it, but um, yeah. uh, purely because I was in a, another conversation uh, about something similar a while back uh, on this station, um, we, we sort of sp- spoke about, you know, there's this kind of uh, <clears throat> there was this breed of like toxic masculines that was sort of selling, <laughs> selling a certain lifestyle, um, mm. you know, uh, online. And I think even now uh, that that's still going on. For example, if you look at, um, for example, Instagram being one of them, you know, you see a lot of people getting harmed because of what they feel they need. And you, you are very right. You know, we, we have a choice, right, whether we want to consume that uh, or not. But it's quite. Um, it can be quite overawing, especially for youth nowadays. That you know, like because they, they've, they've been set new set of metrics as to what success mm. and happiness looks like. Um, mm. It's quite a hard thing to combat, no?
7: Um, I think the idea. Okay, so in the West, the idea of success has long been to be better than other people, which yeah. is a really toxic idea of success, which is why we. Constantly going to be miserable because if you're competing against everybody, including your friends,
2: mm. you're not really going to like
7: your friends. You're not going to have good friends anyway. Yes. Uh, a better idea of Islamic idea of being successful is you can be successful right now just by being a good person. Mm. That's it. You know, so um, it's not really social media's fault. session the social media or the people who are putting videos on social media are just. You know continuing this idea of success in the West um, and we need to fix we need to give alternative ideas of you know success and show them that you can be happier in these alternative ways
1: you you mentioned uh, that you when you're out there a lot of people are listening to you because you're approaching it differently to, to others are you inviting them to how to attain peace for themselves and with with life at large, or are you inviting them to a particular faith
7: um so Islam actually invites people just to follow at least their own religion mm. if they're not going to so so be a good Christian if you want to be a good Christian, you know do that well, like God just wants you to do be the best human being you can, so Islam, yeah it's the most detailed way guide for life to happiness it's a tried and tested method the most popular religion even in the west in terms of converts you know so it's probably a good way to go but people have a lot of mental barriers they've heard bad things about islam in the news right so they're not going to get over those barriers quickly so i just kind of i call it maybe a low gradient method to kind of try islam if they want to so my answer is i want people to be happier because that's, you know, when you're, when you're helping people You don't put barriers in how they should be happy you're Just like, I want to help you as best as I can um, I do recommend Islam But if Islam is not the thing for you Try maybe, take a piece of Islam for free And don't even call <coughs> yourself a Muslim I'm happy with that
1: And would you say that Islam is not just um, a verb But it is a noun, it's an action It's, it's something that within you
7: well, um, what, if you mean by, is it an, a religion where you have to do, what do you mean, be active and do good things, is that what you mean? I'm not sure what you mean.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not just a, 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 a name that you belong to something, but it's more than uh-huh. that. It is something that you, you live uh, yeah. to, to become something and make something of yourself.
7: Hundred percent. It's not just a label you put in your forehead. Say, I'm a Muslim. It's no good if you don't practice it. It's a guide for life. It's a, it's a, you know, if you have a book and you don't follow it, it's not going to be any use to you. It's just a label.
1: And uh, what sort of success? Uh, what sort of challenges do you meet when you are out there?
7: Uh, challenges. I mean, there are small challenges where they kind of turn on their head and they kind of help me. So. Every now and then, I try to talk to the wider Muslim community, and because I'm an Ahmadi Muslim, they go, oh no, you're not Muslim, and things like mm. that. And um, that actually gets a ton more attention than my, in my happiness classes, because um, unfortunately, confrontation, and I don't do the confrontation, so I, I spoke to a sheikh, uh, recently a famous person on in Speaker's Corner, and I got, I don't know, 50,000 views or something. Um, and for me, that was the most boring discussion, even though I want that debate easily. Um, but it was kind of like, it didn't practically help people. It just explained that how many Muslims are Muslim. Hmm. It's very simple, simple to see. So there's that sort of thing. But I kind of, in the, in the comments of the YouTube videos, I respond to them. And then more and more people come to my videos because of that. So um, not yeah. really much of a problem.
3: I mean, that's a a really interesting point, right? Because, um, you know, what you've been saying about sort of uh, uh, the religious clerics and what have you. I mean, we we sort of see across the board now. For example, I I think there are some nations, for example, that have very repressive, uh, in the name of religion, they put in some very repressive laws um, and what have you. Um, We sort of seem to have moved a little bit away from the actual uh, the crux of religion. Right. And we were talking about how these religious nations seem to be happier. Do you think that do you think that might shift because purely because um, there is, for example, against, uh, you know, in 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 certain countries um, against minority groups, there can be a lot of sort of negativity towards them. Um, Mm. It sort of creates a kind of hate um, in itself. So even the religious aspect, you know, in certain in certain ways can actually be a bit of a negative.
7: Yeah, um, I think there's a we we get fed a lot of things in Western media about all the friction in these religious countries. And I'd be really careful having lived in, for example, in the Middle East and Jordan, where mm. there are lots of Christians. They've been in Christian schools and mm. things like that. And I've worked in them. Um, and people debate as freely as they want. Um, there isn't as much friction as you might hear on the BBC. I remember being living in Jordan and listening to BBC World Service and thinking, right, they're literally telling the opposite of reality.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
7: Indeed. So I'd be careful about taking mainstream media at face value.
1: Indeed. Uh, Khalid, thank you very much uh, for sharing your views and thoughts on this very important subject of attaining inner peace, which is the ultimate peace rather than the outward material peace that uh, you certainly seem to be um, uh, advocating of of promoting inner peace as per guidelines of the Holy Quran. It reminds me actually of a hadith of the Holy Prophet wasallam that uh, talking of uh, the latter days that uh, the Muslims will be divided into many sects, Hmm. but only one. Uh, will be right, and all the others would be in fire. He de- a lot of people mistranslate that into hell, but yes, that's not yeah, the way. It's, it's yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah. And al Masih Rabi, the fourth caliph of the Muslim community, explains that wonderfully. He said that fire means that these people will be agitated all the time. Mm. They will not. Re- they will not be resting. And when I watch your videos with, with with at Hyde Park, I, I noticed that you are certainly calm and collected, <laughs> while the others are quite agitated and quite aggressive <laughs> in their manner. Uh, I hope uh, that is a true reflection of how your uh, uh, YouTube uh, channel comes across as.
7: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a lot of people learn from, if they can't understand the debate themselves, they see the example. So in uh, when I spoke to the Sheikh, he re- refused to even say, walaikum as <laughs> uh, and I said at the end, I'm your brother. Uh, At the end of the debate I was very relaxed because my job is only to deliver the message I'm not I don't care about the results really Mm -hmm. I'm just my job is just to do my job as it were God Mm -hmm. The real job so I'm always very relaxed. I don't need to not be relaxed
1: I think that's the way to do proper, uh, uh truthably. Or Absolutely. to inv- invitation yeah. to Allah should be that of peace, and uh, yeah. to to provide to to set, give the message of peace, which is Islam. You yourself have to be at peace with yourself as well, and, and and present it to others as well. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Khalid. Assalamualaikum, and thank you for joining us. Right, Seth. After the eleven o'clock news, we'll be joined by Doctor Fareed, who will talk to us about the existence of God and uh, you know, how, how to prove uh, or how to understand
0: God better You are listening to the recording of a live show Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed Weekend World on Voice of Islam
1: Welcome back to the Weekend World Show with Aslan This is Aslan with Seth Ahmed with, uh, with me um, We're coming to our next segment of the show which is the Faith in Focus segment um, we'll begin with the Holy Quran, chapter twenty,
5: verse fifty four. In Lady Jalakumul Ardamahdaw, was a lakalakum a
1: Allah says, it is he who has made the earth for you a cradle and has caused pathways for you to run through it and who sends down rain from the sky and thereby we bring forth various kinds of vegetation. So that's the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the Promised Messiah, the Reformer, the Mahdi, Hazrat states, the task for God which for which God has appointed me is that I should remove the malaise that afflicts the relationship between God and his creatures and restores the relationship of love and sincerity between them Uh, what else did the promised Messiah uh, write about God
3: yeah so on God he wrote God is the light of the heavens and the earth every light that is seen be it high or low whether it belongs to souls or pertains to bodies Or be it substantive or attributive, whether hidden or evident, be it subjective or objective, it is a mere bounty of his grace. This is a sign, he
1: continues, which indicates that the bounties of Allah encompass everything. He is the source of all grace and is the ultimate cause of every light, the fountainhead of all
3: mercies. His being is the support of the universe and is the refuge of all, high and low. He it is who brought everything out of the darkness of nothingness and bestowed upon everything the mantle of being. No being other than he exists by itself or is eternal. All other beings are recipients of his grace.
1: Yes, that's from Brian Ahmadiyya, Rahana Khazain, Volume 1, pages 191 to 192. Uh, Joining us this morning is our good doctor, our very own Dr. Fareed. Assalamu alaikum, Dr. Saab.
5: Wa alaikum, Aslam, MD Saab and Saif MD Saab.
1: Thank you very much for joining us once again. Um, we were discussing about attaining inner peace and and, and inviting people to God was basically what our previous caller was talking about. And we were talking about immigration earlier, about finding peace, finding happiness. And all of that uh, through religion, uh, we would say that we we believe in a God That's what motivates us to find that happiness and peace. But many people do struggle uh, with the concept of God. Uh, Atheism is growing. We as Muslims, as other faiths, have firm faith that God does exist. So how do we recognize him or how do we explain it to others that God exists?
5: Yes, as you have already quoted the sayings of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, Azam Izzah Ghulam the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, that uh, he came into the world. His uh, role was to bring people back to, or to God, hmm. basically following the role of all earlier prophets to prove to people that God is a living God. And uh, we have to understand the purpose of our creation, as mentioned in the Holy Quran, and in fact, as taught by all prophets, is to worship Allah. Is for man to realize that there is someone who created us and to whom we owe uh, the the duty of worship and our responsibility. And we have two responsibilities. One is to human to to our creator, and others. The other responsibility is to fulfill our duties to our fellow human beings and all our living creatures. And uh, when we the the philosophy of Islamic worship basically establishes a relationship of love between Allah and his creatures, that's Mm. the philosophy Mm. but uh, when we when when we trying to worship a creator whom basically we cannot see we have to find out and this is what the prophets, all the prophets of God who came into the world were trying to show us is that or answer the questions, these questions. Is he a living God? Does this God live where, did he just create us and then just leave us to go somewhere else? Does he hear? Is he a God who hears when we pray? Are we just praying into thin air, or is someone who is listening and who can answer? Uh, Does he see if we do some good deeds? Does he uh, see those deeds which we are doing, and will he reward us? Or if he sees some evil, does he do anything about it? Or does he just uh, just has he just created the world and just left it to, to be to to go uh, leave it as it is uh, is he loving you know like a uh, a mother's love to a child and human beings we are we sort of uh, bask in love we uh, although we, we consider ourselves to be independent and to be uh, and some tend to become all haughty and arrogant mm. but at the end of the day uh, nothing beats love, uh, we all all require some form of love. Uh, do we have a God, do we believe in a God who is all powerful? Does he, for example, uh, we consider ourselves to be able to do anything, but uh, we can't. We human beings are limited. But is this a God who is unlimited, who can do whatever he wants? Uh, just recently, I was just uh, listening, uh, just uh, saw a news, the news uh, in astronomy that they found the. Biggest galaxy uh, ever, 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 ever see recorded.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: It's about a hundred times the size of the Milky Way.
2: Wow! Mm-hmm.
5: And it, it's massive. And uh, so this is a God who, I mean, the, the mind boggles at how great this, the universe is, and what He has been created. Mm. And uh, finally, the other question, the final question, would be: Is He ever living? You know, does He live forever, or that you know, one day, every uh, like. Uh, we don't. wish uh, some people who have gone astray, like the Christian belief that Jesus became God and then he died. In, in Islamic concept, that's impossible. A God, a God cannot die, even even if, it, if for three days, as it was, uh, as is the, as uh, the Christian belief would have would have us uh, understand. Mm. So, so uh, basically, we have to understand. We have to uh, the, the we have to look at. Uh, uh, what God is, and this is where the attributes come in. Right.
1: So rather so, than looking at a physical entity, we are le- trying to look at the attributes of God. What what God, um, uh, the, the, the 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 qualities of God that that are imposed upon us. Yeah, the qualities and
5: uh, not and no weakness. Uh, 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 qualities and no weakness. God mm. has no weakness. It's mm. All all is it's all about quality, mm. and that's why we use the word attribute.
1: Right. Right. Yeah and in that in that regard uh the the most common question amongst atheists is that you know if you can't see god how can we how can we believe in in, in god so how do we approach that uh thought uh, of an atheist that if you can't see or feel god how can you believe in something like that
5: well this is the answer the answer is we we, we see him through through his attributes and mm. through his creation i think we we digress if we go into going to the uh, question of the existence of God. So we're basically b- basing uh, this discussion on the belief that God, that God exists, um, and and looking at its attributes, we we believe in a living God. So mm. all those people who are listening and who are of religious mind can understand that the God we believe in and the God we should believe in is a God who is living and who cares for us mm-hmm. and uh, then we have to look at what is the attributes of God are as explained as basically uh, as uh, explained uh, illumined by the Holy Quran in a much more magnificent manner than any other book or any other prophet the Holy Prophet uh, peace and blessings of uh, Allah be upon him uh, showed us uh, was a living embodiment of uh, of true of what a true relationship of should be with uh, man and his creator right. he was a living embodiment of mm-hmm. that and
1: yeah. i was going to say has the holy prophet the uh, founder of the, of islam uh, peace and blessings of allah be upon him has he thrown any light on us on how to understand god
5: well maybe the one basic one basic uh, simple uh instruction he has given is follow the attributes of allah ah. so so that follow follow his attributes and then uh, be, uh then basically what that means is that if you follow the attributes and uh, be like him in in as much uh, limited fashion as possible but as best as possible mm. then you can uh, you can experience the 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 existence of God and you can experience close a close relationship with Him, and uh, we know that uh, the Holy Prophet of Islam was like uh, the like the, as mentioned in the Holy Quran that He is like the the cord between between uh, of two between two bows bows of a of a of a, of a bow and arrow mm. the, the bow mm. so <coughs> of the string. So that he's as as close to God as one could get, mm. and I'll carry on. Yeah, no, no. I'm just saying. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the attributes of God are manifold. Yes. And we know there. Are, you know, I think there are nearly a hundred in the Holy Quran, mm. and there may be many others which we really don't. Uh, we human uh, understanding can't comprehend, and we know some of the the, the basic ones that you know, God. Uh, I mean, we if we your question about the existence of God mm. it, it really it comes down to the basic question is that the there has to be a being who is ever living can't have a being who who's, who came out of somewhere because then the question like the atheists do ask is when where did God come from mm. so, the, the, so basically we have to start somewhere and this the, the start basically this is a being who is ever living mm. so basically there is no start that is the Definition of God as I suppose that is the definition of Allah. Uh, God uh, can be misconstrued in many ways because also used for human beings that you know like Gandhi was a God or like some pop idol is a God, mm. you know, or, or some, you know, scientist is the, you know, Einstein was a God. Of the, oh, Jesus
1: mm. is a God. Or Jesus, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
5: So basically. Yep.
3: Dr. Free. I, I I think sort of pushing on from that a little bit. <clears throat> it's um we y- you spoke about the vastness of you know this galaxy that you said this a hundred times. There, there can be times when as a as a person you can sort of almost feel quite insignificant. Um, you know, in the sort of grand scheme of things, you know, you're you're, you're sort of this little blue, uh, ball, <laughs> that, Spe- yeah, speck, <laughs> speck in the middle of yep. nothing, and I guess. Um, I think that's one of the concerns i think i've always met from um atheists uh, in general you know that, that we are insignificant. why why uh you've got this whole universe and then how why is god so interested in us um how would you answer that how how, how would you how would you sort of uh view that uh, as a concept
5: well num- number one the the uh, attribute of god of rub as in the first verse of uh, the first uh, in the opening of the Holy Quran. Rabbul Alameen, Lord of all the worlds,
2: mm.
5: that uh, God is not only interested in us, right. he is the Lord of many worlds. And uh, I was just talking to someone uh, about this, the discovery of this new galaxy saying but "We there must be life somewhere. In, uh, it's a hundred times the size of the Milky Way. The hundred the Milky yes. Way has, yes. itself has billions of stars and sort of trillions of planets. Yeah. And uh, it's inconceivable that uh, the, the, uh, we, we know that the basic uh, uh, building blocks of life exist everywhere to some degree. We, mm. So it, it's, it's inconceivable that life did, did not uh, start somewhere else or emanate somewhere else. So God is Lord of all the world. So, may, so as far as we are concerned, this is our part of the universe. And in fact, we should be, it's a, this is part of the grace of God that he uh, he does care for us or he does con- he is concerned with us mm. and we are a creation who have been we are the what would you call the the peak of creation yes. on this planet uh, the, the other living beings like animals or as whatever has been created that has that does not have the capacity to worship god or to understand god to the degree as human beings do, they are not required to worship God, yep. but we are. So that's our that's our purpose. Beyond that, I don't think we we we, we because God, we, the very fact that uh, the, the the universe is so vast and it's mind boggling, and that's it came out of somewhere or someone. So we all we, we as we are we are discussing this on the basis that God does exist. Mm. So. Uh, we have to keep in mind that there must there is also one of the attributes of God is that uh, he is wise
3: mm. and ateem.
5: He, there is a purpose to this which we don't understand we can't comprehend yes We, we you know we, there are certain things in life we can't even human beings can't, can't comprehend but to comprehend God is, is virtually impossible so we should not even go there in that sense mm. but God does say in his in the Quran to uh, comfort us that there is a purpose behind this i'm not mm. doing this. this is not doing it just for fun mm. this is not a game yeah it's not mm. so that's where that's where i think the answer lies is that uh, there's a purpose behind it and sometimes like our parents you know say that you know we're doing this and this don't worry about it we'll we look after it mm. don't <laughs> don't concern yourself with it you're too young or right. you don't understand it so This is God. God is saying to us, look, in the Holy Quran, it's very clear, I think. And God, uh, I think also, uh, the question you asked knows that people will ask this question. Yes. Why? And so God says, there is a purpose, there is wisdom behind it. Mm. And that we don't understand it.
3: It's amazing that we also, we have consciousness. I mean, that's... uh in itself is almost like a like uh, To it, me that is proof in itself yeah, that god yeah, must exist that because
1: yeah. we we think about something
3: yeah
1: uh, as pl- plato i think or said that
3: uh, nietzsche I, I think therefore i am. yeah yeah nietzsche yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, yep.
1: coming on to uh, the at- you were talking about attributes of god uh that we understand god by by his attributes rather than a name given to a physical entity because he's not a physical entity, but yes. we in Islam we call him Allah. In, in the Bible is known as Jehovah or as Jesus on the cross said, "Ali, Ali, Sabakhtani, Oh Lord, Oh Lord." So, do we understand God uh, by a name or, or 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 not?
5: Well, the the main thing is in the in, in the idiom of the Holy Quran or in Arabic language, uh, Allah is is the name of the being who is comprehensive of. All perfect attributes. Mm. So, so that's what Allah means. So you can't apply it to anyone else. Like I just uh, gave the example that God can be used in other connotations, but Allah cannot be used for anything. For, cannot say that He is He has become Allah. You can say He has become a God, but you can't say that He He has become Allah. Right, Allah right. Is, is what? Yeah. He He is a uh, is a name. Uh, it is a being who is comprehensive in all. Perfect attributes. So every all perfection mm. is in Him. So it can't uh, can't apply to to anything else. Right. Uh, and uh, the, the main being that uh, He is ever living does not uh, was not created and uh, will not will not, will never die.
1: He begets not nor yep. is begotten, as the Holy Quran yep, says. Yep, yep. Uh, yep. And, and remember, Khalifatul Masih, Rabbi, the fourth caliph of the Muslim community, in question answer sessions in various question answer sessions, explaining these concepts. Uh, we've got some clips of him to, to play in a short while. But one of the things he said that, uh, you know, he, mankind can think in, in several dimensions. Uh, you know, you've got the six senses, so to speak, and then there's time uh, and then a few others. And mathematicians work up to about 10 or 12 dimensions. But yeah. God exists in, in dimensions way beyond that. And so when we try to explain God, we are only restricted to the dimensions we are capable of understanding. So therefore, we can never fully comprehend how God exists, but we can certainly experience him in the dimensions that we live. Would you say that uh, that is the shortfall of people who can't comprehend God?
5: Yes, exactly. We, we, We... Know that even uh, Newton said that uh, when he's standing on the shores of the the sea, that you know, picked up a stone and said, you know, <laughs> this is all the knowledge we, we we seem we have acquired. There is a whole ocean of knowledge which we mm. we don't. Uh, uh, the the Quran says, you know, if all the the the, the, uh, the, uh, the oceans became ink and all the trees and became pens, you the, the uh, you wouldn't be able to. Uh, all, uh, sort of write down all the the knowledge of uh, of God. Mm. So yeah, it's it's we man has to understand that uh, he is limited. Mm. And, uh, and uh, these days, even with uh, the advances in science. Uh, it's, we 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 still we we, we still at the mercy of uh, our own mistakes and our own uh, misjudgments, and our own lack of knowledge in certain things. Uh, it's an ever it's a, it's an unending uh, uh, journey.
1: Journey, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
5: I mean, for example, who fracking? For example, who would think many many years, of, say about twenty years ago, mm. that fracking was a way of of uh, getting fuel out of? Uh, uh, out of the earth. Yeah. So yeah, is So
4: Absolutely. these are all things
5: which which have been which had been. I, we we say that this is the grace of God yeah. that He has made things available to us, which we man would require in 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 future times
1: yeah. and, and, and when people ask you know what was the purpose of the dinosaurs <laughs> we, yeah. we live in a time when <laughs> when those those dinosaurs are the source of fuel and, and debate even now yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Of, of their purpose and, and talking of that the bible says that god created man in his own image does this mean that or does it mean to the christians or does it mean to us that god is something that we can become we can become godlike or does it mean that god exists in the way we exist
5: well I mean, in muslims we also believe that god manifests his attributes of resemblance to man. Uh, but, uh, we can uh, copy that to some degree for instance for instance uh, god creates hmm. but some d- degree man also creates we also create things we also fashion things uh, we also can copy some of the the uh, the the uh, for, uh, mimic the attributes of Allah to a degree. Uh, I, I was just thinking today, there's the news about uh, this hacking story. Uh, you know, man has to spy and has to go go hacking to try to get information. But God is all hearing, all knowing. God doesn't need to hack. Yeah, so we. we although we've got all this uh, new technology now where this, the spy networks have got uh, hearing devices and they've got satellites and you, they they could claim they, they, uh, I'm sure America and Russia have got uh, satellites which virtually cover every inch of the earth and they can see what's going on but not entirely, there's still things which are hidden uh, but God doesn't need all these devices and God doesn't need Uh, His uh, all-hearing and all-seeing far exceeds what uh, human beings can ever expect to do or what they're doing at the moment. So these are uh, attributes of God that He's all-hearing, all-seeing, but uh, a government like U.S., America, Russia can't say, oh, we are all-hearing, we are all-seeing. They do hear lots of things which we normal human beings can't see. They do hear lots of things which... uh, uh, the, the normal public don't don't know about, but uh, they're still not God. These, so this is where the attributes come in, and also emotions. I mean, for example, uh, the uh, we we we, ex- we experience anger. God also is angry with someone, but he doesn't, uh, you know, have blood pressure because <laughs> he gets angry. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. 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 We, we when we love someone, we are in love with someone uh, we, when that person goes away from us, mm. we, we feel sad, but God doesn't feel sad. Indeed, so, yeah. so, so God is loving, but he's not this sort of, uh, he's not affected in that sense that we, we feel depressed when someone who loves us departs or, uh, you know, when you part ways from, uh, from your family after when you're going on a journey, God is always there. Sure.
1: And and in terms of uh, the attributes of God uh, is what you're referring to in all of this today, is that uh, in the opening chapter Surah Al-Atiyyah uh, is mentioned the four four attributes of Allah, and from those four attributes other attributes emanate. So can you give us a little bit uh, a bit more on that? The, what are these four attributes, and how um, how do we understand them?
5: Well, the the in the opening of the chapter of the Holy Quran, the four main principal attributes of God, uh, which basically we'd call the the mothers of all attributes. There, are, there are four attributes which are uh, which cover all other attributes of God. Which I suppose in any context, or even any context, even if there are hundreds uh, or thousands of attributes of God, they would all come under these these uh, four headings. That is uh rabu which is uh so rub alamin the lord of all the worlds god is the lord but rub uh, is far out has a wide wider meaning than just uh, the lord basically it, it creation comes into it uh, the the creation of uh, uh ineminate, in in things and and animate things means means that like stones and bricks and uh, the all the planets which are just uh, Sort of uh, just uh, r- uh, collections of uh, rock and the stars and whatever. This is all. These are, these are all dead. They're inanimate. Inanimate. Yeah, I mean, in fact, uh, like we you we just said uh, a few m- moments ago about the existence of God and uh, the the fourth Khalifa uh, Hazrat once uh, said in a discussion that regarding the existence of God, that if you had the earth, which is a dead planet, once upon a time, and all you've got is uh, dust and, and uh, earth and uh, the stony st- stones, uh, how would you, life come into that? Would it one day just sprout into life? Would a stone sprout into life? He said, he so that means that something must have bring, brought it to life. The, the soil or whatever, mm. uh, put some uh, conscious sense it. So that conscious being who put life into it is what we call God. So that's, he said, that's one of the proofs to prove to someone who is of a scientific mind that look, uh, if you just put a, a, few, a few stones and leave them for billions of years, will they ever be come to life? Will they ever achieve a form of consciousness? No, they won't. Where does this conscious consciousness come from? It has to be put in by someone. And that being who puts it in, is, <coughs> me, is is what we call God, the Creator, yes. and that Creator has to be ever living. So that is that is uh, the meaning of rabb It and without uh, this uh, attribute of Rab, they, if uh, God decided did did not want to create the universe, there would be no universe. We wouldn't be here. God can exist on His own. So that is also the meaning of Rabulal. I mean, He is all existing. He can exist on his own, so he doesn't need us. So the existence of everything is dependent on this attribute of what is called rub right. and also his rubble, alamin mean Rab-ul rubble all of all uh, all the worlds, including <clears throat> different animal worlds, the insect world, the the, the, the the water world on this planet and alien worlds as well. Absolutely, no doubt. By this uh, reference in the Holy Quran, that He is Lord of all the worlds, that it means that there are many other worlds, and there may be many other universes, as mm-hmm. far as you know. Mm-hmm. Because that's the greatness of God.
1: And uh, something that uh, requires a lot of insight and thought in, in an individual to understand and comprehend. Then, as God says in the Holy Quran, that if my servant comes to me, I come running to him. I am closer to him than his jugular vein, meaning that. He Can be found in all the attributes that we see around us as a proof of his existence, yes, uh, Exactly, yes. Yeah. so, uh, Dr. Saf, thank you very much. I'm going to close with a yes. small clip from uh, the sec- the fourth caliph of the Muslim community, as a Mr. Ahmed, who has expanded on these sort of questions in his various questions and answers during his time as the khalifa. So, thank you very much for joining me, and uh, we'll close with this uh, clip from the fourth caliph.
5: Great, thank right.
4: I should better use the word soul and soul cannot be seen nor can God be seen because the phenomenon of seeing requires that your sight returns to your eyes after striking a hard surface comparatively denser surface If it doesn't return then you do not see anything. So God has no dense surface at all. (laughs) Nor has spirit or soul as I call it. So you can never see soul or God with your naked eyes. But you can visualize both according to their uh, attributes. Soul has certain attributes mentioned in the Quran and many other books and also God has so many attributes. When you consider a, an attribute of God, with a spiritual eye you are seeing God. When you see that God is Rahman, is uh, most beneficent, then the, you know what beneficence is. So with the same eye, as you, from which you know the, what beneficence is, you know what God is. So this is how God's attributes tell what God is. And uh, in the prayer, we are admonished by Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to concentrate on God's attributes. By those attributes we will be introduced to God.
1: That was Ezzamizatari Hammond, the fourth caliph of the Muslim community explains things very succinctly yeah. and, uh, and easy to understand. Uh, right, uh, Seth, we're coming to the last part of our, or uh, the penultimate part of our show, uh, which is behind the headlines. Uh, so we'll start with our jingle and then uh, bring on our guest.
0: Just been called for Donald Trump. The decision taken to join the common market has been the government reversed. The should call a general election. Order. Weekend World. Questions to with the Prime, the Prime Minister. Behind the headlines. Uh,
1: Right, Saf. Uh, we're going to look at uh, some aspects of world news today. Brazil has been just elected a new prime minister, removing the controversial far right government of Bolsonaro, whose supporters, like Trumps in the USA, refusing to accept the results. Italy has just elected a far right government. Hungary is uh, in place a very anti-immigrant. Um, Uh, party. uh, And in France, the right is now the second largest party with the new leader replacing Marie Le Pen. And Trump seems to be hinting of a comeback. As far as uh, the far right is uh, gaining momentum, or or has the results in uh, Brazil turned, that is the question. Mm. Uh, Joining us this morning, live from Rio in Brazil, is an ex Unicef, a very uh, exotic uh, <laughs> <laughs> setting, uh, is an ex Unicef International Development Strategic Planning and Result Based uh, Consultant. He is an independent management consultant now, a graduate from Cambridge University, and lived in the UK for many years. Uh, good morning, and halim. Welcome, uh, alaikum uh, good morning, good to be with you. Yeah, uh, the pleasure is all ours, Halim. Uh, uh, Halim, you've been uh, working at a very high level with various strategic planning and, and consultancy work around the world, particularly in Brazil and Africa. Um, Jair Bolsonaro has reportedly thrown in the tower after presidential election defeat in Brazil on Sunday, telling members of the Supreme Court it's over. Tell us the situation in Brazil, having had a Trump-like figure ruling the country, which uh, this election result of removing Bolsonaro was a surprise and a welcome change, I presume. Is that right?
8: Uh, Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, The election took place last Sunday, and um, uh, the coalition uh, led by the Workers' Party uh, by now President-elect Lula, uh, President Luis Ignacio de Silva, who, who universally knows that uh, President Lula, mm. uh, has been re-elected, for, which will be for his third term. Uh, and it was uh, your right to describe, uh, of course, the, uh, the previous government, the current government, the of Jair Bolsonaro as far extreme right. Uh, and yet, uh, this, the victory uh, of this coalition uh, is both possibly described as a victory of a democratic front. Mm. And that's how President-elect Lula uh, described it, because indeed it represents a coalition of center, center center-right, center-left parties, all of whom were very clear about the uh, very clear uh, attacks on the institutions of democracy that had taken place during these four years and as well as very clear uh attempts by yair uh, bolsonaro hmm. in the lead-up to the elections uh wow. to prepare the ground for some kind of military intervention should he lose wow. yeah and this was very openly done uh, by one questioning uh the uh, the legitimation leg- 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 of the
1: election results
8: yes uh, second uh, he also uh, put in command he changed the command of the armed forces the military navy air force mm-hmm. as well as the federal police forces uh, uh, sympathizers and uh, uh, and there were many uh, there are many other uh, clear evidences of uh, the, the attempt to move away from democracy a lot of his supporters yes. uh, openly call, have been calling for military intervention uh, which they see as the uh, as a way to uh, protect Brazil, as they say, from a communist and dictatorial uh, future, which uh, is really. Uh, you know even to be completely objective is a complete fantasy of theirs it because of the threat uh, to democracy came from them okay so a close victory but a, but a clear, victory, but
2: a clear uh, victory
1: for the front. very close to the brexit yes. vote as well 52 <laughs> 49 uh, 51 49 not far from what right. brexit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Exactly. Exactly. And and looking at Brazil's history, this is not something Brazil wanted to go back to a a military rule because that was something that was something that Brazil wants to forget.
8: Indeed, indeed. Yes, we've had military rule. uh, We had a very long period of military rule from 1964 to Mm -hmm. the mid 1980s. And there was uh, a lot of, uh, of, you know, collective national consciousness of what a bad period in Brazil's history that was. Mm. And uh, subsequent uh, decades, uh, the strengthening of Brazilian democracy uh, has been very, very widely appreciated. Bolsonaro, who was there for over 20 years a member of the congress from Rio de Janeiro mm-hmm. had been on the extreme far right always calling for the restoration of dictatorship really? and no one ever <laughs> took him no one ever took him seriously at all yeah. until uh, when he was elected in 2018 due to very particular circumstances of the impeachment of Dilma Rousseff, Lula's successor, yes. and uh, widespread scandals uh, of corruption mm. and uh, real mobilization by the elites against uh, the Workers' Party. Mm. And it's been a very tragic experience of uh, Brazil's history these last four years. Uh, as you know, uh, uh, Brazil is only second to the US in the number of COVID related deaths, so almost 700,000 uh, deaths. And uh, this government, Jair Bolsonaro, denied COVID denied vaccines uh, refused to uh, delay the start of starting of the vaccination program and then, then instructed people not to take vaccines
2: mm.
8: uh, there was widespread corruption in the procurement of vaccines eventually so it's been a very uh, dark period of, of history there's a lot of uh, uh, the new government is facing new challenges because there was also a lot of uh, uh, corruption in the federal budget. Uh, it, was, it became an opaque uh, black box, and right. uh, now there are huge gaps. Uh, 33 million uh, people in Brazil are suffering uh, hunger uh, and extreme poverty, and the new president-elect has made that his first uh, priority, to address that very correctly. Uh, and the, the, the really, even before uh, the new government can get to do the social programs that are so urgently needed, there are two kind of things before that uh, uh, the whole country really is calling for
2: mm-hmm.
8: uh, is one a return to civil discourse and away from the kind of hateful discourse that has been permeating brazil from the extreme far right wow. and second uh, to actually uh, separate religion and politics again because mm. Uh, Brazil is a democracy and full expression of uh, liberty of uh, religious expression to all all kinds of religions. Uh, but this far-right government had brought uh, their brand of Christianity, mm-hmm. uh, which is the evangelical, uh, U.S.-style evangelical Christianity, uh, into Brazil. As you know, I'm sure Brazil is the largest Catholic country mm, in the world. It is, yes. And, uh,
2: yes.
3: Uh, uh, I just wanted to ask you another question, actually, going on from that, because uh, you spoke a little bit about um, Lula coming in with a coalition. I mean, it's a it's a sort of ragtag bunch as well. Right. There's sort of he's collected people from the center, center left um, all the way from his side. You could almost say that he's not extreme left, but he's, you know, very much on the left side. Um, it, it seems to be that that might also be a little bit of an uneasy coalition, and I think there is still a worry that Bolsonaro didn't do that badly against um, a lot of those guys. That, 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 that he still has obviously some uh, some, some effect, yeah, yeah, in in Brazilian politics.
8: Uh, yes, yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, there's no question that uh, although when Bolsonaro was elected. Uh, he was a marginal figure on the far right who became elected for a specific, uh, in a specific context. In these four years, uh, the far right, or what's called Bolsonarismo in Brazil, mm-hmm. has consolidated itself indeed as, as a political force. And in Congress and the Senate, uh, they have very substantive uh, presences. And so, for the uh, for the new coalition, uh, this is going to be a challenge because of the size of the far right support uh, in in both houses however however uh the coalition uh, i wouldn't uh, describe it as a ragtag mm-hmm. uh it is a very uh, a wide coalition from like you say from center right uh, center to center left uh, of democrats and there's a very strong commitment and so the real challenge i would say is to deal with the far right presence uh, in in parliament and congress uh, but the balance of forces this is a, this small but definitive victory is very important because Bolsonaro has become increasingly isolated and just in this one week, his own sympathizers are pulling away from him, Uh, the leaders of the houses have pulled away from him, the military refused to do what he was doing so uh, it's going to be an interesting four years to see mm. how uh, coalition democratic forces try to put, uh, you know, close the Pandora's box. Once the Pandora's box is open, mm. it's very hard, as we know from Trump and uh, As you were saying in the beginning uh, how the far right is sweeping across the world in a very strong way. And that's very true. Yeah. And likewise in Brazil, uh, there is a slight uh, distinction uh, recently, If you heard in the last few years, they call it the pink wave in Latin America. That uh, uh, luckily we are having in uh, Colombia, in Chile, in Mexico, Argentina, and now Brazil, uh, the re-election of uh, center or center-left governments mm. rather than the far right. Oh, so yes. There's some uh, for hope in Latin America as
1: well. Yeah, during uh, Bolsonaro's reign, uh, I mean, Brazil is always seen as a very multiple ethnic community mix, which gets on perfectly well. The black and the whites have been integrated so well. During Bolsonaro and the far right, was there any racial tensions that were built up as well? You mentioned a little about the The evangelical Christians there. Uh, What about racial tensions? Did that have an effect on on Brazilian life during that time?
8: Uh, It did indeed. Uh, Bolsonaro's uh, tactics, uh, in line with far right tactics, he admires openly. You know, he openly admires uh, Donald Trump Mm. and uh, copies a lot of his tactics. Donald Trump's uh, advisor, Steve Bannon, is an advisor to the Bolsonaro clan. Uh, and they thought to uh, you know create uh, deepen divisions in society uh, between white and black, rich and poor, men and women, very misogynistic uh, and vulgar uh, <laughs> approaches from uh, bolsonaro. Uh, on on the black population in Brazil, which is the majority, of course, uh, the, the 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 entrenched racism that exists in society, uh, has been recognized over the last two decades. You know, there used to be a, a myth of uh, racial democracy or, or democracy of Brazil in the 50s and 60s. And unfortunately, that was a myth. There is a lot of entrenched structural racism in the society. And Bolsonaro really uh, uh, worsens that. Oh. Uh, language terrible attacks. Uh, most of the residents in the poor favelas are are black. And uh, he authorized police uh, to have impunity to go and kill with impunity, and it's been uh, it's uh, it's been a very heightening of tensions on all fronts uh, during these four years.
1: Did that affect you as a individual in, in, in living in Brazil? Uh, did it affect your life, or did it affect the security of the nation?
8: Yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, yeah, you know the. Uh, 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 the uh, whole mood and tenor of the country has changed. Uh, I've been in Brazil for over 30 years, and uh, they, what you referred to as there was a great weaver of society and a great community spirit. Uh, and in, my, uh, in the last four or five, in the last 10 years, in fact, it started before Bolsonaro. So it was Bolsonaro was an expression and a worsening of certain trends. So it's the, the level of insecurity is, uh, in the cities is terrible. The level of crime, uh, not only in the poorer neighbourhoods where you know hundreds of thousands of people who are hardworking, decent uh, citizens hmm. uh, are lived within, you know, uh, gunfights between rival g- uh, g- drug gangs and the police uh, uh, is, is a real issue. But even in the affluent neighbourhoods of Rio de Janeiro. Uh, you get ro- constant assaults on people on the streets and robberies. And in fact, that was one of the things that Bolsonaro used to get himself elected. Uh, it's a very intense problem in Brazil, no clear solutions. Mm-hmm. Previous governments have tried various uh, uh, policies with not great success, and Bolsonaro appeared. Uh, with a solution. Mm. Uh, and he said, we're going to kill them all. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and we, we laugh, real. but uh,
1: the absurdity of it really rather than the actual. We laugh
8: it. because it's so tragic. I mean, yeah. he, and many people said yes. And, and and by the way, I forgot to mention that uh, uh, Bolsonaro is also one of the other key things was uh, introducing violence explicitly into society wow. openly. And, and the arming, he said every citizen should go armed mm. because there's a lot of criminals and the solution to a criminal is to kill them. So there's, the number of licensed arms in Brazil, I don't have the exact figure, has shot up like unbelievably high. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he has really exacerbated uh, the security, but. Like crime in the city continues to be uh, a, a terrible problem.
2: Yeah. You know, Latin
8: America is the, is the worst uh, region in the world for social crime uh, and violence, unfortunately. And unfortunately, Brazil is uh, afflicted with this thing, yeah. which is going to be a challenge for any Society to solve.
1: Indeed, I I wasn't going to bring Trump into this uh, discussion, but uh, with Bolsonaro, (laughs) you can't, you can't, (laughs) but but mention him. Um, Just moving on a little bit, uh, Helene. in Britain, Alistair Campbell, the former Tory Blair's advisor, uh, wrote in The Independent, UK is a laughingstock and desperately needs a general election to end the chaos, and he, and he writes quite a bit. Just have a listen to a small clip, and then uh, we'll just uh, ask you, what is, how does the world see Britain nowadays? Is it is it what Alistair Campbell is trying to say? Yeah!
0: there we have it. They're the party of excess oil and gas profits. We're the party of working people. Yeah. Mr Speaker, talking Talking of parties, talking of parties, Prime Minister, he told the House no rules were broken in Downing Street during lockdown. The police have now concluded there was widespread criminality. The ministerial code says that ministers who knowingly mislead the House should resign. Why is he still here? (laughs) Mr. Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others.
5: Other than one meeting this afternoon with Her Majesty the Queen, the diary for the rest of my day is remarkably light. (laughs) Let me say at the dispatch box how warmly I congratulate the Home Secretary on becoming leader of the Conservative Party. And uh,
0: when it comes to women prime ministers, I'm very pleased to be able to say pretty soon it's going to be 2 0.
1: And and it goes on, and there's lots of clips from the prime minister's <laughs> question time. Uh, Ali, yes. how does the world look at Britain today? I mean, it was the, it was what everyone based their governments on, wasn't it?
8: In the, yes, indeed. Uh, you know, I think we all, uh, from my generation, uh, studied uh, in our schools that the mother of all parliaments uh, mm. was uh, in London, and it was, and England. Uh, uh, despite now having big, not having such a big uh, not being such a big power in, in in the global economy as it was before, it still is a very uh, draws a lot of attention and and has over the years respect for its uh, traditions of democracy, representation, and the civility of its discourse. Uh, uh, of course, uh, the what happened uh, in the last. Uh, uh, I think uh, ten years, especially with conservative governments, uh, and has really uh, uh, de- uh, brought a regeneration uh, to the to the level of quality of of, of public life in Britain uh, mm-hmm. is how it's perceived, and it's a it's a global trend to some extent, but Britain is particularly uh, you know revered uh, historically and looked to, and it is a very. Uh, uh, I, I, you know, in, 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 the, the British do like to disparage themselves. I know, and <laughs> uh, we're we're a laughing stock. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I, really, I think it's a little sad. It's, it might be alarming but on a serious note, mm. people are very concerned, and uh, the unraveling of British uh, political uh, standards and culture. That, uh, like I say, over the last uh, three uh, Tory governments of the yeah. last twelve years, uh, and I think there's a widespread. Uh, 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 perception that the brexit uh, issue yes. was the culmination and and, and provoked uh, much further yes. a lot of a lot of concern about uh, where it's going next, obviously, and I guess we all no one knows, but it is that's that's how it, it is in Brazil. Uh, for those who are uh, familiar with uh, world politics uh, a lot of concern about the Indeed.
1: UK. indeed. Uh, thank you for sharing those thoughts I've got one last very important question to ask uh, because we can't not ask this question uh, <laughs> yes. they, they, they are after all a very neutral person's favourite team uh, Brazil play football yes. with the rhythm of the samba are they going to win the next World Cup?
8: Yeah, definitely. Definitely, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we've got some incredible forwards, and vote uh, yes. is very good. Uh, I think and Lula Luna just won the election, so yeah. the signs are that we're going to win the World Cup. Absolutely. Happy <laughs> z- <laughs> z- <Hippie-barated
1: man. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for sharing your thoughts with us, uh Reep, and uh, and really giving us a real insight into the Brazilian political state at the Absolutely. moment. And it's looking like good news, uh, hopefully for the for the nation.
8: Thank you very much, uh, well, It was uh, great to be with you. I uh, enjoyed it very much.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, that Thank was Halim you. Lone from uh, ex uh, UNICEF and uh, consultant in uh, planning, strategic planning. Um, uh, great insight into Brazilian really politics, yeah, 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 and yeah. a very good point of view. To show about uh, how people look at Britain now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lesson to be learned by everyone, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Uh, we must not uh, waste any more time because we got sports. Because we just discussed football.
0: Weekend World, Sports Review.
3: Shai, sh- are you there?
5: Hello,
3: I'm here. very good to have you on. Uh, have you on board uh, as per normal? Just, uh, I guess we could just sort of kick off with the football. Actually, with the with the Premiership results, we're probably going to be going into our th- this winter break, this uh, out of the blue winter break <laughs> that we're expecting. Long <laughs> no one, uh, yeah, exactly. But some, uh, but some good results yesterday for um, for Man City and uh, a couple of good games as well uh, yesterday. We're, we're probably seeing the the reemergence of Leeds as well. Um, what was your take on the Manchester City game?
5: Yes, Manchester City. I mean, anybody would have thought that having got that red card earlier on in the game, uh, they were up against it. Uh, and Fulham aside, that, uh, not that uh, didn't have a shortened target before they scored, um, went into that extra minute or last minute, it so 96 minutes before Haaland came good once again. Yeah. And uh, uh, the winning ways continued. Yes. And they got top of the table uh, with the game in. Arsenal have a game in hand, which they're going to play today. But, uh, yeah, that's right. And you mentioned Leeds. Yeah, this is a side that was 3-1 three, three down, and you know they seem to be coming to the fore as well. So good victory for them as well at home.
3: What do you make of um, uh, Arsenal chances? And the other one, I think, probably quite more interestingly, um, who are playing today, Newcastle, sort of got themselves right up there. Everyone thought they were going to do pretty well, um, but they but they seem to be sort of worth their salt, uh, as, as as it were.
5: I think so because I think you mentioned Newcastle are the dark horses this year, mm. especially with the World Cup. Like you mentioned, the break coming in. And they are the one of the teams that are not in the in European in European tournaments at the moment, so that's going to be a big plus for them. And also, the fact that uh, a lot of their players, as compared to other clubs, are not going to be the World Cup. So I think Newcastle is going to be interesting after, especially after the break and having had that rest. And so, and normally they go nowadays to Saudi Arabia for yeah. a winter break. So that'll be interesting, but. Uh, it will uh, the, the Premiership. I think is, uh there's going to be a lot of ups and ups uh, and downs. By the looks of it, I think with the World Cup coming right in the middle, uh, starting in the end of this month, November, and then going on to December. So with teams like I mean New, uh, Manchester City, I think up to 17 people might be into World Cup. So what kind of impact that has, and depending on also other teams as well. And I think the top four will be quite interesting in that respect, and also the actual title holders will be. Uh, interesting. I mean, Liverpool at the moment are in ninth position. I mean.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, yeah. sixteen points drift from the top. Not so thing. So, uh, yeah, they don't look as uh, don't look as confident this year as uh, as they did last. Um, actually, moving on to the cricket, I think uh, we're sort of getting towards the back end of the uh, of the group stages of this T Twenty World Cup. <laughs> um, a lot of weather um uh weather related results have really sort of shifted um uh, the way that the, the the way that the tables are, are, are coming out would you not say
5: i think they have been that but i uh, compared to what i think at the starting of the tournament they're thinking about the washouts and there is a few yeah. then
3: yeah
5: and whether or not they had too much impact on the actual results on that i don't think so because uh, maybe one or two but let's not forget in 1992 we had a similar situation when the world cup was a longer version 50 overs then uh, and a lot of matches that w- really went into DLS um, uh, at the time, and that, and that really I think played on the people's minds. Actually, losing their games in very badly at that, and then still coming through it to win the win it. Mm. I don't think that much been. There has been. There have been some topstervy, but in fact, I think some of the teams that are not Test uh, playing nations are coming to the four island between England and uh today uh, netherlands beating south africa who were one of the first uh papers to be honest i you. I mean, so the gap
1: the, go on, sorry go on, carry on shy
5: I? I just think the gap has narrowed a lot i mm. think but as i mentioned in previous uh, our, our, our programs that uh, t 20s is a game that one can, it can go one way or the other on the day. I
1: that, that's the point I was going to make. That in T20, the minnows have a chance. It, yeah. it, it levels it up a bit. But it's good for TV, so, it's good for cash, and it's good for supporters because <laughs> the game is already in three hours. I agree with you. It, it doesn't have that same proper skill of a cricket game, but certainly entertaining.
5: Having said that, I mean, just one point I'd like to make. I think when we were speaking last, you mentioned that, that Pakistan kind of were down and out against... Uh, I was. Uh, about <laughs> and you said... Coley's still there.
3: Yeah.
5: And, you know, to be honest with you, Coley is a player who's playing cricketing shots, not these other yeah, ramps yes. and uh, t- turning around and so forth. So he's actually playing cricketing shots and playing them that well so that... Uh, uh, no no wonder he's
7: at the top
3: of the... Uh, as does Barber. Barber also plays cricketing shorts. Mm.
7: Uh, Baba, yes, but he's
5: had a bad tournament, he's a bad uh, tournament unfortunately. A bad tournament. But you
3: say that... Yeah, but, and Sorry, uh, one one final point. Yes, you're saying that uh, thing, but if you look at the actual groups at the moment, the top teams are Pakistan, India, South Africa in one group, New Zealand, England, Australia in the other group. So whilst the minnows do have a side, I mean, the tables do look as if they they still favor the the strongest uh, teams, no? Yeah,
5: that's right. I mean, yeah, South Africa a, a lot, but... Um, uh, New Zealand, uh, New Zealand, Australia are out as well. Mm. So, yeah, they, they are the top top most teams of that And But there's a lot of franchise cricket has come into it. And like Arsene has mentioned, the fact that there are other aspects of cricket which have improved as a result of these GTMT. Yeah. Let's forget mm. that as well.
1: England India is going to be a good game, is it?
5: Oh, I, I think so. I mean, that, for me, I think England had. Um, they had kept mentioning the fact that they had covered all the bases by having yeah. I mean, lost to Ireland. Mm. And you can never tell. I mean, Pakistan lost to Zimbabwe, who some people regard as a club side. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so on their day, I think this yeah that that I mean, both, all the, both the semi-finals are very very interesting in yeah. the fact that they are clashes of the titans really.
1: Yeah, Pakistan, New Zealand, always a good game. Uh, anyone can win, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, Shyam, uh, we're coming to the end. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, Thanks, we'll Halina. see who wins uh, next Sunday. Uh, Saf, thank you very much for joining me, thank um, you very much. and uh, to our uh, contributors, Hameed Lohn, uh, Khalid Safir, and uh, Dr. Farid, uh, thank you very much. And to our listeners for listening in and joining in, and thank you to Zishan for helping us uh, with the technical side of things. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.